All right, well, this might be a little bit of a surprise to Oregon State fans out there. It's another damn podcast. Woohoo! It's been a long time. <laughs> it has been a long time. Uh, Angie, it's almost it's almost impossible to know where to start with everything. We have um, quite a list. Yeah, I kind of feel bad. You know, for, for people out there that listen to the damn podcast regularly last year, last season, um, first of all, thank you for, for tuning in every week, despite the team being 2-10. and 10. Uh, I'm really happy and satisfied and impressed with the number of plays that we got every podcast that we posted. Yeah, yeah. Um, but life for me has been very hectic. The Blazer season's been very surprising for a lot of people. And so just for me and my job, my... You his know, real life job. Quote unquote nine to five yes. job of hosting a sports radio show. Not his volunteer podcast hosting. No, there's been a lot of obligations outside of doing the show. So I apologize for not being a little more consistent in the off season with you, Angie. And, you know, I just, I, I kind of felt bad about it, but uh, I'm happy to be back. I'm happy that we're doing another damn podcast. How has your off season been thus far? It's busy, just like you, but I'm not quite as big time as you, Brandon. I, you know, we do recruiting. We had the uh, signing day, so we can go over that. Um, we went through all the, you know, the red shirt guys, and then now it's spring camp, so we're diving right into that. Been going to Corvallis several times a week, and and we'll we'll talk about that as well. Yeah, Beaver Blitz has got to be buzzing right now. I it mean, is. It's, it's spring game is Saturday. Spring game Saturday. We had the dam, the dam, dam, uh, city, dam showcase. city showcase. Yes. So, um, lots of uh, beavers up there for that. That was really cool to see. That was great to see. Great you know, weather. It was. It was great. Yeah, I had seen uh, looking at because I unfortunately I couldn't go. I had a, a family thing, but. I looked at some of the pictures that were online on social media, and you know, Hillsborough Stadium is a pretty good little stadium for high yeah. school sports. It was pretty packed. It, I mean, yeah, way more people than I ever expected. We we didn't stick around for baseball; we were there for football. But just the line of people trying to get in for baseball was crazy. My neighbors went, said baseball was you know packed, standing mm-hmm. room only kind of kind of event. So awesome to see, great weather, great turnout, and uh, I think it's just another testament to the athletic department that. Portland is a place they need to really focus on. Yeah, forward thinking. I like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I talked a lot about that on, on my radio show is I, I just, I admire anybody and whether it's the Beavers or any other program, I admire forward thinking. Like, I'm a big fan of Jim Harbaugh and what he's been doing with like the satellite oh, camps. Oh, satellite camps. That's another whole ball of wax we could talk we about. We may have to get to yeah, that at some point on the podcast because you know it really well. But like just everything he's done, taking his team to Florida for spring <laughs> practices and trying to entice some of the kids down there. I really admire that, and I thought that was a really good move by Gary Anderson in the, in the athletic department and the football team of saying, you know what, we have a ton of fans in the Portland area. There's some there's some pretty good recruits up there in the Portland area. It never hurts to get your name out there in the big city. We're going to hold a, a spring scrimmage up there. I thought that was a brilliant and, and idea. And one thing like he talked about, too, is it's such a young team, and he wants them to kind of have this game-type experience of what it's like to jump on the bus and, and drive up an hour and a half to come up to a, a game and, and do that kind of the whole mentally preparing, you know, what a game day is actually like. So we have a, we have a lot of things to get to here on the damn podcast. Um, it feels good to be back. feels good to be talking a little bit of football here. And I kind of want to start with something that I missed out on an opportunity of, and that's every year doing a uh, recruiting podcast with you. I always look forward to doing it. I'm kind of getting more and more as years pass by more and more into recruiting and kind of really following and understanding just how important it is. What did you make of the final 2016 recruiting class for Gary Anderson? The biggest takeaway I had was the fact that the coaches were able to hold on to these guys. They held on to, you know, Christian Wallace and Sherrod Thompson, the two four stars. They were able to hold on to guys, even with Kalani Sataki, you know, great recruiter that he is him leaving for BYU. We didn't see Oregon state really fall off at all. The, really didn't lose anybody. They had a couple guys um, that Oregon State cut ties with early in January. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, for whatever reason, whether it be grades or fit. Um, but we had some of that, but really Oregon State didn't lose anybody. So that was a, a really big, big, um, I thought a feather in the cap for Gary Anderson. And I also thought that they did a really good job addressing needs. It's a very defensive heavy class. Yeah. But, um, you know, they really need some help there defensively. Well, we, we've seen it from not only the guys that ended up, um, you know, graduating or just not playing very well, but also the kids that ended up leaving the program. And, you know, that's kind of one thing that, that maybe we get to of you can you can always expect something. But it's another that, like, when it happens maybe at a bigger level than you were expecting, it still surprises you. And that's kind of where I come in with some of the kids who left. Like, some of those names are names that a lot of fans know. And you're like, wait a minute, I saw that kid play really well, and what's going on? And then he leaves, and you you kind of, for a split second, I like, I panicked when they started announcing some of these names. But the recruiting class thing, I think that's an underrated point of, they lost Kalani Sataki. Like, this is a guy that by all respects, is highly regarded as one of, if not the be- the best defensive minds in the Pac-12 last year, despite what you see with the numbers and the stats. And obviously you can't you can't blame him for taking a dream job like BYU. And just a class act, I was able to text him. He texted me back, said, thank you very much for everything you guys did. And just one of the better guys in the industry. But I expected like with that departure... There's usually some backlash that comes back in the recruiting department. Oh, completely. Especially when one of your top recruiters is the one leaving. Yeah, exactly. And it, that didn't seem to happen. And especially with those big names like you just mentioned, the Wallace, the Thompsons, the fact that that didn't happen, I think you walk away even more impressed with Gary Anderson. Yeah. And and getting to know Kevin Clune a little bit, totally different. You know, Kalani is the guy that would be out there dancing practice. You know, he'd start yeah. dancing, laughing. Kevin Clune is one intense dude. I mean, just all about the yelling. Yeah. Like, let's get it right. He's, and he's a perfectionist, and he'll say, "He'll say, I'm not going to be happy till it's perfect." Yeah, and, and we all know that never happens. So, you know, here's this guy who, I mean, he's single. He lives and breathes football, and you know, so he. I to ask him, you know, biggest difference between him and Kalani, and they they start it kind of in the same in the same tree. But you know, he said he goes, Kalani really was the more of a four three expert, where my expertise is in a three four, and that was the direction you know Gary wanted to go. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's very interesting, but I think it's a good transition for the team. And yeah, that that recruiting class though stuck together. In fact, I'm Sherrod Thompson and Joe Robinette were actually up during their spring break um, two weeks ago. I got to, got to interview them for Beaver Blitz, and you know, here's a four star Sherrod Thompson watching everything go down. They laughed about it, saying the coaches are still nice, but not maybe not quite as nice as uh, when they were being recruited. So those guys are working yeah, out. It shines off now. Now it's time to get down. Joa to is well. big. Joa is a big kid. He's six seven, six mm-hmm. eight. He told me he's up to two thirty five. They've been doing the Beaver. They call it the Beaver Bible Bible workout. Um, and then you know, you get a guy like Sherrod is now on social media tweeting some of these you know three, four, five star kids talking about Oregon State and, and selling Oregon State. So that's huge for or- the Beavers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think you can stress enough how important that's going to be for this program is not only turning it from, you know, a 2-10 and ten program when he starts his first season, but you got to build on that with wins. But it's also translating to if you get the four-star kid, maybe you land a five-star kid. Heck, even an upper-tier three-star kid who's a borderline four and plays well, when those guys start kind of reaching out and start kind of pumping the program... Mm-hmm. You can't even begin to measure what that means for a football team trying to get back from being two and ten to being an eight, nine win program, trying to contend in a Pac twelve North and get to a Pac twelve title game. That's almost impossible to measure what that means. No, and, and you know, I think it's something that we've seen for years and you know, kids get these ideas in their head and they want to go to the the big time programs and and it's changing that mentality that Oregon State 
can be a big time program. And, you know, not going after the quote unquote diamonds in the rough all the time that take two, three, four years to develop Mm -hmm. into that top kid. And even then they're gambles. It's a gamble. So, you know, Coach Anderson, we're seeing them. They're going after the guys that could physically come in and play right now. He even said last last week that no job safe and that they tell these guys right now on the team that we are recruiting guys that are better than you to come and take your spot. So Mm -hmm. you've got to keep elevating your game. You know, and thinking about the recruiting class too of 2016, uh, you kind of go to the Damn City Showcase. You were there, I wasn't. Uh, What did you take away from what you did see? You know what I saw? It was interesting. So, you know, during the week, we're pretty limited as media of what we can see. I usually get there early so I can peek through the fence. But what is it, the last 15 15 minutes minutes. you guys get? Yeah, we get 15 minutes. So it's tough. I mean, you're I'm peering through the fence. I'm the the strange gal sitting there looking through the fence and trying to pick out what I can see clear across the field. At least you haven't been arrested yet. I have not been arrested. (laughs) But... uh, Yeah, it's real funny, too, when the players walk by and wave at you like, you know, I'm an idiot. But (laughs) so uh, what I saw was, you know, I saw Mason Moran, the freshman who Mm -hmm. graduated early, is in Corvallis right now. I saw him struggle early on. And granted, I mean, he's a should be a senior in high school trying to drink from a fire hose of this new new offense. What I saw at the Dam City Showcase was he was the quarterback that actually stood out to me that day. Mm -hmm. Not going to say that there's a quarterback battle and that he's the guy, but he stood out that day. Trevon Bradford. Local Oregon, Oregon City. City kid, yeah. Um, he's another one graduated early. He was impressive. I mean, him and Timmy Hernandez, which was a, a JC wide receiver who who's here. Mm-hmm. Both those guys really, really stood out. I could see Trevon being a punt returner for the Beavers, <coughs> and uh, I, really those two. I mean, very impressive for being so young. Well, and you know, I, I could only base off of uh, the Damn City Showcase what I kind of saw on social media, and that you know, that's following accounts like at Beaver Blitz and other people mm-hmm. who follow the team as well. And it seemed like the offense really had their struggles. And you mentioned like Mason Moran kind of being the most impressive quarterback that day. Doesn't necessarily mean anything. I was talking to Kevin McGiven earlier on my radio show, and uh, it's it's pretty evident without saying as much. And the depth chart hasn't been released yet. Pretty evident Daryl Garrettson's going to yeah. be the starting quarterback for this team come fall camp and. Uh, even the start of the season, barring an injury. But the quarterback area is obviously a huge level of concern for a lot of fans because when you talk about the program taking that next step for Gary Anderson, you're not going to go, you're not, you're not going to go from like two wins to five, maybe flirting with six with just average quarterback play. You actually need them to play substantially better than what we saw last year. And you need to go with, you know, find one and go with him. We can't have three going yeah, like the we did last year. Yeah, You remember they they weren't yeah. afraid to say in fall camp that they'd play a two quarterback system. And the we saw whole Nick year. Mitchell, Marcus McMarion and Seth Collins all year long and you can't do that. There was no continuity and and really the leadership, I think it's it's hard for one of those guys to be a leader when they don't know if they're going to be the guy in. Yeah, how can Seth Collins be the guy, the yeah. raw raw guy or McMarion be the raw raw guy and then they don't play so, or they yeah, take they it need out. To, and I think it's kind of been kind of the penciled on the penciled on the depth chart that Garrettson's the guy. Mm-hmm. I well, do, everybody's been telling me like it's yeah. not just like people like you, Angie. It's I get it from listeners. I get it from people on social media that you know. Even last year, it was let's rip Seth Collins. He's terrible. Which by the way, he's 18 years old. He's a true freshman, kind of just thrown to the wolves. A lot of kids struggle. Um, and then it's Daryl Garrettson's on the sidelines. He'll be the quarterback mm-hmm. next year. And there's like no questions about it. So I've had a lot of people have been telling me for now for a year, you know, Daryl Garrettson's the guy. But there are still big questions on the offense. I, I do like uh, Beaver fans as a totally different look at running back. Gone are the days of the small little shifty running backs. I mean, you got Ryan Nall and Tim Cook. Yeah. They're both 230 mm-hmm. plus. 
um, big, powerful, strong rush rushers. Damien Haskins has been injured some with a with a little neck. Something's tweaked in his neck, so he hasn't played the past week. But um, you know, he's one Kyle um, Kyle White JUCO. Yeah, he's a little faster. Six foot one ninety. Yeah, That's a bigger good size. a bigger guy. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's going to be a different look there. Offensive line. You know, Sean Harlow's still on his scooter. Mm-hmm. He did tell me on Saturday at the Dam City Showcase that he'll be ready to go by fall. So that's huge for Oregon State. But you lose Isaac, Isaac Samalo. Yeah. Gavin Andrews is yet to suit up. So he's, you know, on the sidelines helping coach, but he's not suited up yet. So there's where, some questions there. Where are we there. at with the uh, Kearsley kid? Braden, uh, Braden Kearsley. Braden Kearsley, the four-star from yes. Aloha. Yes. He is right there in the mix, running with the ones and twos. So we've seen him at center. We've seen him at guard. Yeah. So yeah, another local guy that will you know most likely make an impact this year. Yeah, I remember when he transferred from what BYU, he went to BYU, and then he transferred to OSU. I think that was something a lot of people circled of. All right, two years from now that that kid should be an impact offensive. And that lineman. was a kid, you know, when he was being recruited, he loved Oregon State, and there, it was a back, it was a big battle that Coach Kavanaugh had. If you know, if the listeners remember that, because it was really he was torn between BYU and Oregon State. Yeah. So to have him back as big um, receivers. That should be a strength this year. It, but, I heard it wasn't. But like, seriously, I heard they were really disappointing. These guys need to focus and catch the ball, or the young guys are going to just take their spots. It's really, really frustrating. I think well, to see. And I think it's kind of odd. They have two coaches to coach, and what's going on there? So the, the tight ends look good. Noah Togiai <laughs> and uh, Tuli Wiley Matagi. Yeah, big. Say and, that eight times. Yeah, fast. exactly. But uh, no, those receivers need to step up and and really. You know, be the leaders that they should be. You know, I, I kind of wanted to stick with quarterbacks um, because hot opinion here, Angie. Mason Moran should be redshirting, and I'm not even sure that this should be up for debate. And we can say that maybe he is the most impressive. Uh, he looks like he could be ready, but he needs I, to put on some weight. Well, I don't know how you don't redshirt him. I no, mean, I think I think the goal there is that you want him to be redshirted. You, you have know? to, right? Because they just got the JC kid, and that kid's yeah. coming in this season. The summer, correct? yes. And so, if if anything, you know, you at least have three quarterbacks on the depth chart because you know McMarion's going to be the backup. Well, then now you have Seth Collins back in the mix that. He's coming back as a receiver, mm-hmm. but should something happen, I mean... Yeah, just in case. Just if, in yeah, case. Exactly. If an injury happens, multiple injuries happen, he's always right there to at least do something. Um, but there's no doubt about it. Like, Mason Naran can look as impressive as anybody else and look the most impressive. I want him redshirted. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't even think it's a it's a, it's a a second guess of, you know, you, you redshirt him. If Gerritsen plays well, you get your last year mm-hmm. with Gerritsen next year. And then Mason Moran has that year of eligibility kicking in where, yeah, he might still be a backup, but he's really learning the system and he comes in as a sophomore really ready to go. Ready to go. And, yeah. you know, some extra weight, knows the system forward and backward. No, I think that's – and, you know, talking with Mason, that was that's what the coaches have told him all along. But he needs to be ready, too, in, in the event that that's not the case. Does Daryl Gerritsen's height bother you? A little bit. Six feet even. And he might not be six feet uh, yeah, like I in mean, person. Yes, six feet. I mean – yeah, we'll see about that. I'm but, just I'm wondering when that's going to play in. Being being the devil's advocate, and yes. I am not comparing him to this person oh, at all. But please do it. But seriously, it. one of the best Oregon State quarterbacks ever was five eleven or yes. six feet. What was his name? What was his name? Uh, Johnny. God, it was Johnny. Johnny something. Yeah, Waterboy. Yeah, Johnny Waterboy. <laughs> Johnny Waterboy Smith. <laughs> I think that was his. That name. was it. Um, what did What did you really see? What do you take away from from Garrettson? Uh, and granted, it's a scrimmage in spring. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here and making these rush judgments and deciding, oh, you know, definitively this kid can't do this and can't do that. What does, though, Daryl Garrettson need to work on in the next few months leading into fall camp? You know, I've seen deep balls. 
we, we've seen struggles with the deep ball. We've seen some struggles with the two-minute drill with all the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing, I kind of flip that and then be positive is I've heard from so many players about his leadership. They they say just how nice it is to have the strong leader back at quarterback. So, you know, that's that's going to be a huge plus for Oregon State Does that forward. do anything for you, though? Like, just as an observer of, of hearing oh, no. kids talk no, about No, I mean, it's, I guess it's important, like, you know? We, yeah, yeah, and I see that. Um, you want the quarter, and he's pretty laid back. Yes. You know, we've talked to him. He's pretty chill, laid back guy. Nothing seems to really rattle him. So you, you want that presence in the huddle, but you also need the guy that's going to make the deep throws. And that, see, that, this is where that statement, because I've heard this now multiple times, the leadership thing, and again, it's a great quality to have. Or attribute to have, But I'm a good me. leader too, and I can't, you know, throw a skinny post. So, but see, that's my whole point. Is I, I'm a little, I'm questioning. I'm not saying that I have an opinion on the kid whatsoever because we haven't seen him play a game uh, in an Oregon State uniform. I'm kind of questioning what are his qualities as an actual quarterback outside of leadership. Because leadership's great. He makes good decisions. I mean, okay. we've seen him take off. He's not going to like win any sprints, but he's fast enough. Because I'm a little worried that players aren't coming out and going, you know, he's a great leader and man, he throws a hell of a well, slant pass. But you know, or... the interesting part of that though too is watching, like I said, when you're peeking through the fence, watching, you know, as much as you can. And, when you're illegally watching football practices. <laughs> and you're, you know, wearing glasses because you're, you know, going blind because you're getting so old. Yeah. Um, you know, how much of that is the quarterback and how much of that is the receiver? That's, it's a really, it's an, and how much of it is the DB taking mm-hmm. things away? So, yeah, there's a lot of lot of areas. And there. I would say right now, uh, a lot of people probably think a lot of it is the wide receiver, right? Yeah. Based yeah. on the performance they just had in the scrimmage game. Yeah. And I want. I wonder where that's going to go to. It's um, going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Is I mean, it not awkward to anybody else that Dave Baldwin was relegated to? You know what? Never what, has really been inside. Wide he's inside, coach? and Brett Brennan is now outside receiver. Is that not awkward to anybody? I think that's. I an think awkward. awkward. Situation. I, and I don't think anybody really has talked to him about it. To be honest, the day it was announced was it was JC signing day in December. Mm-hmm. We were all down in Corvallis um, for the press conference with Coach Anderson. And the coaches were all kind of coming through. So that's, I talked to all the coaches about um, redshirt reviews and some of those guy things. Yeah. I was waiting for TJ Woods. He never came down. Kalani, that was when he was interviewing. So it was one of those, like, is Kalani coming down? And it was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if Kalani's around right now. So um, I love, Baldwin, by the way, that that was a controversy, whether he was interviewing. It, I yeah, know. He for yeah. sure was I interviewing. Mean, I love the pictures on Twitter. You know, people are like, we... My my brother's cousin's nephew snapped this picture of Kalani Sataki in red or in blue at the yeah. hotel and well then other people were like tweeting he did there was a picture tweeted out when he was with the coaching staff oh was like I was getting before. emails though from people yeah saying oh no I just saw Kalani Sataki at the Corvallis yes. movie theater yeah and I'm like, yeah yeah okay yeah. well I'm probably not him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no but you know I talking to Kevin McGiven I just straight up asked him <laughs> is that not awkward to you you know is that yeah. that's got to be a weird thing like. That'd be oh, so what did he say? Well, here's the thing. He goes, you know, the outside observer, I could I could see why that would be awkward. But for us, it's really no big deal. Dave Baldwin's one of my mentors in this in college football. I've known him a long time. It's really been a smooth transition of we're just doing everything we can to win for the program. Yeah. You know, kind of just yeah. coach speak, which is great. But, you know, I can't help but wonder, like, do you keep him on because of his name and relationships or do you keep him on because you actually think he helps your wide receivers? And that's all I care about is what are you going to do to help the kids get yeah, better? Yeah. And not let's not kill the guy and fire him because we brought him here from Colorado State. Let's still help him out. I'd rather you care more about what's going to help the kids. And it it's disappointing because I like Brent Brennan as well. It's disappointing to see even in a scrimmage 
the wide receivers can't get separation. They can't catch balls. There's two coaches for that yeah. position. That yeah. kind of stuff shouldn't be happening. Yeah. You know? Like, I just, I just feel like that that stuff shouldn't be happening. It'll be interesting. And I, I can't help but wonder how awkward that is. Yeah. And by the way, the play calling, I asked him about that. Um, I'll tweet it out to at Brandon Sprague, the, uh, the interview we had with him. But the play calling, I asked, why is it going to be different? What's going to be different? And essentially what I got was the quarterback play is going to be better in his estimation and essentially saying more better decision-making by the quarterback. And that was really it. But how so, does that, I mean, if, if the quarterback's going to make better decisions, then why can't Dave Baldwin call the plays? But the, you see, that's kind of where just, I'm scratching yeah, my yeah, head. Like, yeah. I get maybe you want to be a coach and give me coach speak, but I'm just curious, like where where the difference is. Like, there's clearly a reason, right? Yeah, that they yeah. said Dave Baldwin, you can't call these plays anymore. We think Kevin McGivens the best guy but for that. Seriously, kid. go back to to Riley. We saw the same exact thing. Is, yeah, Langsdorf is Langsdorf Riley, calling the plays? Is yeah. Riley calling the plays? Yeah. Oh well, but it was all secretive and quiet, and mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. You know. Yeah, it's got to be a protection it's, thing. Yeah, you want to protect your guy. You don't want to put him out there to the wolves and people are like, oh, Dave Baldwin, you're not very good at calling offensive yeah. play calls in certain situations. But, you know, the thing I got from McGiven was basically the quarterback play will be better, So, but everything else stays the same. He still wants to run the spread. Uh, he wants to do all the stuff they kind of <laughs> tried to do last year that weren't successful at. Um, and so all he can do just as a media member, if those are your answers to me, all I can do is make the assessment that it's basically the same thing same I saw thing. last year. The quarterback play is just going to be different. Which that is going to transition into Seth Collins because I don't think he's a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that he's coming back as you know a slash type player. He's an athlete. I mean, what we saw at Civil War with him, he was amazing. In that's that the game, that's he was amazing. you know that's the position that he needs to be in. Yeah, that's you know that's where he's going to be successful. So I'm glad. Him, the powers that be, family, friends, coaches, whoever saw the light and were actually okay with him, you know, sticking around to do that. Somebody told me, I'm, I'm not kidding. Somebody told me this like four days before that was released. Hey, this kid's been around. Oh, a he's while. been around. A, he was around yeah, a lot. I, mean, I don't think anybody that's like a beat writer and was really that shocked. And that's why, you know, I wasn't thrown off too much because somebody had whispered like, hey, you know, this this actually might happen. He might come back. And yeah. I was like, that's kind of weird. Never seen that before. Didn't put much stock in it, and then they released the information. You don't see that very often. No, he had you just don't. signed an agreement, like a, a, a financial aid agreement for him with uh, Northern Illinois oh. to go there, but yeah. he wanted to stick around. And they, well, they, up they need to, him. you know, there's a bunch of those guys still around because they need to finish off their spring term so that they can transfer in good standing and not kill Oregon State's APR. Yeah. So that's why all those guys are around. You'll see, you know, we've seen Justin Strong around, Malik Gilmore's around. There's a bunch of guys around, but. Yeah, we you don't see guys say they're transferring and then and then come say, yeah. yeah, and then come back, right? And he's, you know, Seth is kind of a, a different he's, you know, I have great relationships with most all the players, you know, they'll come tell me things. He he doesn't really talk to the media. You know, his mm-hmm. dad did all of his media while he was a recruit. Um he doesn't deal with the media very often. So, um, you know, I saw him the first open practice um down in Corvallis and talked to him for briefly, I mean, totally a second and I got a shoulder shrug and a, yeah, I miss it, whatever, but yeah, nothing too, too earth shattering from him. Well, and I remember the first, just being at the first game, um, when he, they were playing, uh, um, who did they play? Weaver State. Weaver State. And, uh, they got the win. It was an ugly game, but they got the win, you know, good start for Seth Collins mm-hmm. at the quarterback. I remember getting on the field right after that game and, uh, he ran over to the, the, the fans in the parent section over there by the, where the alumni sit. And I remember seeing, like, he was legitimately crying. Like, he's just an emotional player. Yeah. He's a different kind of kid. 
Um, but I thought that was huge news that they're getting him just because I think about the Civil War game, like being in Autzen, me and my buddies were sitting just, you know, at the very top. Mm -hmm. We're just short of the Oregon State section, which we thought we were in the OSU section. We weren't. We were in the Duck section. But Duck fans were actually pretty respectful. It was just a back and forth, yeah, it a lot was a of great banter game. back and forth. Uh, and the second half was exciting, and he had a lot to do with that, with his playmaking ability. And that's just and it. You know, don't, don't make him the guy that's the guy with all the pressure on his mm-hmm. shoulders. But to put him, I mean, defensive coordinators are going to have, it's a nightmare. Because you put him, in, even even as a decoy, you put him in motion, you, you don't know what's going to happen. So. Yeah. So Seth Collins returns. Uh, quarterbacks, pretty obvious for you. For me, it's Garrett's. It's Garrettson. It's uh, it's going to be McMarion and then the JC kid. Yeah, and I think yeah. they're going to redshirt um, Moran. Yeah, definitely. That's. Um, I mean, as of now, but who knows with yeah, you know, injuries and you're right. you never know. Yeah. I mean, Brent Vanderveen was kind of my thought that he'd kind of be your, you know, last ditch if everybody got hurt. Mm-hmm. But then he left, so um, yeah, I don't blame him. That was a big discussion. He left after one day of practice this spring, and mm-hmm. you know, for for you know, some casual fans might not even know it, but yeah, Brent Vanderveen, he looked huge. You know, tight end, he'd done a lot of weight, he, put yeah. on a, a lot of weight. Um, but you know, it's one of those things. Here's a kid. I think he finally realized. You kind of come to this conclusion, and I haven't talked to Brent at all, but you come to this conclusion. You're a senior. You're busting your ass to mm-hmm. put on weight and to do to all the training tables and all the study hall and all the meetings and everything they have to do. And you step back and you're like, why? I'm not going to be playing in the pros. Yeah. You know, I just need to finish up and get my degree and and don't put any more wear and tear on my body. Yeah. You know, you got to come to that conclusion at some point. So, you know, that's that's kind of, I think, where he was at. What uh, what area <coughs> are you most impressed with offensively? Is it running backs or is it offensive line? Or heck, is it even tight end? Tight end, I'd actually say. Really? Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen... The offensive line has been moved around so much and changed up and... Um, it's a different, you know, ones and twos basically every day we're that seeing. That should be the strong area, though, it should right? Be. Like you lost I- Isaac and that stinks, but but when you if you can get Harlow, regrouped. Harlow and um, Gavin Andrews back, that'll be. But there's some big boys. That's you know that's the biggest takeaway that I've taken from spring practice this year is just how big these guys have gotten. There, I mean, I I did an interview with um, Elu Iden, yeah, the redshirt freshman D tackle dude. Mm-hmm. His arms are huge. I have never seen arm. I mean, Stephen Paya was a big boy, but yeah. this kid's arms are, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I was just like, dude, you're big. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say that's the one thing it kind of feels different from Anderson to Riley in terms of recruits and just kids. Anderson clearly has a, let's, we got to get bigger. Yeah. I mean, we bigger compete. and faster. Yes. I mean, they their off season was tons of conditioning. I, I spoke with Evan Simon day one and mm-hmm. he said, yeah, these guys have been running a lot. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of conditioning. Anderson didn't feel that they were physically able to compete for an entire football game. We saw it last year. UCLA, Washington. We saw plenty of examples where he's right. They weren't physically up to playing and beating some of those other teams. So, you know, that's it's a a method of getting that. They have to get stronger. I don't know, Brandon, about you, but there's been several times that my friends and I have talked, and you see, I mean, it's hard to see an SC or a Stanford, hard to compare there, but how many games, and this dates back 10, 15 years, that Oregon State gets off, comes out on the field and the other team comes on, the other Pac-12 team comes mm-hmm. on the field, and you're like, dude, this is boys against men. Um, I mean, Stanford for sure, USC usually, but these guys are starting. I mean, you look at a Tim Cook now, and you're like, okay, this guy actually has a chance to compete against these other teams. Yeah, I mean, that kid looks like a stud. There's big boys. They're, I'm really looking forward to to him on the spring game. Like, yeah. just seeing his size in person compared to like reading about it and seeing a picture on it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want to see it in person. I think that's an enticing part about going to the spring game 
is there's a lot of change here. I mean, yeah. there's, and I'll admit, I'm one of those people where I don't know all the names on the roster. Like, that's still something I have to learn before the season gets underway and we start doing this weekly. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that is seeing not only the kids and maybe getting to meet a couple of them, but just to see them in person and get a feel with where they're at because you're right. I mean, it felt like every game last year in the Pac-12. They just ran out of gas. Well, they come on and it, it really was boys yeah. versus men. Yeah. It was like, well... They're hanging with Stanford in the first half. That's pretty impressive. And then other games, you're like, oh, Colorado at home. They should win that. Colorado looked just flat out better than them in size and <coughs> speed and mm-hmm. execution and everything. And we haven't seen that at Oregon State in an awfully long time. Mm-hmm. Yes, they went three and nine a few years back, yeah. but there still wasn't this kind of feel to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so, just I mean, it's different. been a, it's a totally different. I mean, they also have, I think this is their fourth or fifth term in a row that they've beaten their GPAs for the previous quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a big emphasis now on grades. Yeah. Each position coach gets the kids syllabi, syllabus before the season. Mm-hmm. They talk to them weekly about what they're doing, what tests they have coming up. I mean, it's a different, they're expected to do X amount of number of community service hours. There's some major expectations placed on these guys right now. Okay, let me ask you this. This is a this is a hard question that there's really not an answer to. It's really just a, I'm going to go out, uh, way out in front of it, and I'm going to give an opinion that might be wrong. Okay. Do Does it seem like they're better? Just as a program, does it seem like they're better? From not winning any conference games last year... Uh, and winning just two games total in the entire season, do you feel like the program has gotten better? Yes. Overall, I think there's this there's organization. The staff is very organized, and they have a vision, um, and it's their process, you know. And it's it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't I don't think we're going to see a two win season again. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be a bowl game season. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to a friend of mine who coaches did coach in the Pac-12. And he told me back in, was it end of December, I guess, mm-hmm. he said, Angie, Oregon State is going to be a big time rebuilding process. I said, okay, I, I understand that. So I don't see it as a 2016, as, but I do think they're on the right path. Yeah. I like that the guys are getting bigger. I like, you know, there's some, you know, people in the program that have, you know, said, look, look at how much bigger they are. Look at how much faster and stronger they are. And they're, those little things are going to have to, you know, it's it, it they is add a, up at some it's, point. It's a culture change. So yeah. is it going to be? I would hope it's better than a two win season. I haven't sat down and like totally penciled out the whole season yet. The but schedule. I mean, again, this is way too yeah, early. Yeah, yeah, it's too early to start talking that. But do I, what? Okay, if you want to know what I want to see this year, mm-hmm. I want to see see them be more competitive from start to finish, and not run out of gas. You know, halfway through, I want to see. I would like to see a few more wins Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, then go from there as you go forward. Um, Because I looked at the schedule because I I, I like to play these games all the time. Just I'll be up late at night doing show prep or something. I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of curious. Who does Oregon State play? Well, you know, I have a friend who played at Oregon State. He says they, you know, and he's he's very positive about it. But, you know, he, he gets through there. He's like. What if, what if they're six and zero? Oh? You know, and I, <laughs> well, okay. For to be six and zero, oh, first of all, their first game at Minnesota. Minnesota, that's a tough game. Yeah, it's Minnesota's tough game. Like a program. Thursday night game. Yeah, that's and you know, new stadium a couple yeah. years back. Minnesota football is actually pretty decent. Idaho State should be a win. Yes. Uh, Boise State. 
I don't know. I don't know. I, where's Boise State at yeah. this year? I think their quarterback's coming back, and they always love to get up for these big Power Five conference games. But they're, they're not the Boise State. I don't feel that they're the Boise State that they were a couple no, years ago. No, I don't either. Uh, at Colorado, maybe Colorado actually takes another step forward. Yeah, I but I've heard I've heard some things that Cepho, Cepho, Riley. Leafow. Leafow. Cepho Leafow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could not be ready to go. There's a kid. I'll, I take this for a grain of salt. There was a listener <laughs> texting randomly to our show. Uh, the web kid from Texas Tech. Yeah. He was supposed to be transferring to Colorado. He's now changed his mind, and some people are throwing out Auburn as the possible destination. This guy's telling me that he's going to go to Cal. Huh. This web kid. So Cal, I mean, okay. Cal needs a quarterback. Yeah. Need. They want to fill the void. Let a young kid get a little more experience before he's thrown to the wolves. Um, so I think that's something that's to look watch, out yeah. to. Um, but again, I, it's it's way too early for the schedule. They still have fall camp. But uh, I'm always curious if people but I will, think it's going to be young. I, I see some of these incoming freshmen. They're going to be playing. And some of the, the JC guys they have coming in. Yes. The Payne brothers out of Pima. Did he hit the JC hard enough for you? Like, he are did. you satisfied yeah, with the yeah. JCs he I got? Mean, you, you don't want to go too heavy on JCs, in my yeah. opinion, because. Sometimes, you know, you don't want a class that's then going to be gone in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid, Anjay Hughes-Murray, mm-hmm. inside linebacker out of Federal Way, Washington. The guy is a beast already. I mean, huge. So look for him. He possibly could come in and play immediately, especially with Rommel Manuel leaving. Yeah. To, you know. Were you surprised by that? I was. That one shocked me a little bit. Yeah, see, that's kind of what I'm talking there's, about. There's like, a few that haven't shocked me, and uh-huh. I, I, I would not be surprised to see a few more. But um, You still think we're going to have a few more? Possibly, yeah. But you got insight on this, I feel like, and you're not sharing it with <laughs> no, us. No, I just, I just, I, so have, left I have right a now. feeling that there could be a couple more. <laughs> no, but that's kind of what I was saying at the beginning of when you tell me, hey, there's going to be transfers. Yeah, 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 okay, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but I do think, I mean, this man, is going to yeah, be pretty good. Yeah, player, that, that was one was that like, shocked really? me. Now, he didn't play a ton toward the end of the season. Yeah, but I mean, I, the season kind of got shot to all hell. I just figured it's eh, whatever. Yeah, that one surprised me though, because he, you know, did that leadership camp in mm-hmm. Utah and, um, yeah, that one that one shocked me a little bit, but huh. um, no, I I think that I think this team will be very young. I think uh, when I especially think of the defensively now, uh, and again, there's still a lot to see with their opponents. I kind of see the program as not only getting better. I think this is a a four win season. It's yeah, kind of yeah. what it feels like. Where there's going to be one game. We said this last year and it just didn't happen. There's going to be one game. I think they win that nobody thinks they will. Mm-hmm. There's going to be another game where they contend. Um, but ultimately can't get over that mm-hmm. hump and they'll win the the Idaho State game. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? They'll take advantage of that. I think that's kind of where they're going to fall in line and it's not going to be like exponential growth and development in terms of seeing, oh, they're going to be an eight, nine win program mm-hmm. the next year. But I'm with your friend, uh, the coach. I mm-hmm. think this is a four or five year process yeah, and I, that's not easy for a lot of Beaver fans no. to swallow, but I think that's the reality that's, where you're at. I think at. where they were at. Yeah. So, Especially changing the entire culture, everything. You know, I mean, everything's different. Everything's it's different. It's the way they do it. It's the way they roll out of bed. It's the way mm-hmm. they run their offense. Like every single thing in this program is different. And you saw, I mean, you can kind of see it in Nebraska. Yeah. Right. Like where Nebraska was disappointing to their fans, but there's, it's a difference. There's a different yeah. way of doing things in college football. And there's a select few, maybe three or four in the entire business that can go from another program. And the change is different. But it doesn't matter because they're just, just another level. You know, yeah. they're Myers of the world. Yeah, yeah. He can go to Ohio State his first year and they're right there. Yeah. They they lose maybe one game. But 
the talent that he walked into is for sure. significantly different There's than the talent that no doubt about it. Uh, spring game Saturday at one o'clock. Yes, I'm heading down. Awesome. You've got a Beaver Blitz tailgate that we're Beaver doing. Beaver Blitz tailgate, yeah. Uh, I'm going to stop by, get some brisket. It's over off of Western, right? Right behind yes. the scoreboard yep. in the grassy area. The grassy knoll. The grassy knoll. <laughs> uh, you're going to be out there, what, 10 a.m.? 10. Okay, so everybody going to the spring game, you've got to show up. Come stop by, say hello to Angie. If you see me, say hello to me. Say hi to everybody. It's going to be a good hang. Game's at 1 o'clock. It's going to be on the Pac-12 network if you can't make it down. What are you most looking forward to in the spring game? Gosh, you know it's it's spring. I <laughs> I've been to so many spring practices, and so I was running together at this. Yeah, point? I mean, I love I love fall camp. I'm one of those people that fall camp to me is like Christmas. Yes, but spring to me is then spring camp is when I always return to the Allen Iverson. We're talking about practice. This is when they're you know trying everything. I don't know. It's practice. It's, but spring, I actually you know it's been a big time for recruiting mm-hmm. for for the team. They brought in several guys that come up unofficially. Um, there's four st- 2017, 2017 yeah. kids. Yeah. So, um, Addison gums was up. Um, he's a four-star linebacker out of the Bay area. He this was up that first day of practice. Addison gums. Addison gums. What a great name. Gums. Big kid, big kid. Um, a few weeks ago, um, that Saturday practice down in Corvallis, Marlon Tui Pelotu is there. Alex Forsyth. Um, I know. I don't know Alex Forsyth, but I know somebody that knows him extremely well. Some would say like. As close as you could possibly get. Okay. I don't hold any hope at all. No, for that no. To I mean, happen. in fact, total. Don't be surprised at all if it's a quack quack. Yeah, type I mean, family ties there. I yes, mean, very strong. Marlon Tui Pelotu. Yeah, it was actually kind of funny when he was there. So they keep the media and the fans in this one little area, and so I'm, I'm like, I'm not watching the practice at this point. I'm like, you know, scanning the crowd, like finding out what recruits are there. And mm-hmm. so I saw Marlon Tui Pelotu. He's the big D tackle out of um, Central mm-hmm. in Independence. Um, so he was there and then all of a sudden I, right in, seriously, right in front of me is Alex Forsyth. Yeah. So I, I tweet out Alex Forsyth, you know, and all of a sudden I see him look at his phone and he's like, he starts looking around like, oh my God, who's, <laughs> who's, who's, who's saw me? me? Who's sees me? Where are they? So anyway, I had to like stop Had him you met like, him at that point? No, I've talked to him though. I've yeah. talked to him on the phone several times. So mm-hmm. I kind of, I, we're not, you know, we don't talk to recruits while they're on <laughs> yeah, campus. I yeah. just, I'm like, Alex, it was me that, and he's like, oh, hi. Um, <laughs> David Morris has been on campus. This weekend, a couple really big visitors. Isaiah Hodgins, three, four-star wide receiver. It's his second time up to Oregon State. Um, he's supposed to be making a decision here in May, early May. So big-time wide receiver. Second um, time. That's good. It's, second it's a good time. Sign. Washington State, Boise State, um, Oregon supposedly has offered him. Colorado's in the mix. So he's big. Um, Tyler Little, talking quarterbacks. Tyler Little was up. He's one of Oregon State's top quarterback uh, recruits and okay. he came up to visit earlier in the spring um colby taylor big time wide receiver out of chandler mm-hmm. so he's a teammate with mason moran daryl garrison Connection there yeah um his brother actually played in the league his dad played in the league brother played at asu um i remember when carrie was his dad's name did you remember i don't was carrie like- taylor was the brother oh. um ended up at asu because i remember talking to him when he was a recruit mm-hmm. Um, Jadon Grant will be down at the game this week. Brian's um, son. Brian Grant's son, yeah. who just flipped from Oregon to Oregon State as a walk-on for 2016. Cody Shear, another local uh, offensive lineman yeah, out of yeah. Eugene, will be there as well. So um, I'm still following up with some of these guys to find out who else might be there. But those are the the big names kind of right off the top of my That's kind of what... I mean, for just for you and your field, that's kind of what you're more interested in, right? For me, yeah. Game. I mean, we... we t- I mean... I like to get more into the nitty gritty. You know, you can go read Gina does great job with For her sure. beat report of yes. what happened. But uh, Beaver Blitz, we are like 
I put down depth chart. I mean, I'll be, that's what I'll yeah. be doing is writing down who's playing with the ones, who's playing with the twos, who's playing, you know, all the yeah. way across the board. Um, and then watching recruits. That's, you know, that's kind of where, where we, it's your niche. Yeah. That's my niche. For I mean, sure. so we do that. And then also just, you know, the more in depth kind of video interviews we do with the players afterward. I had a, uh, I had a former Oregon state player played there for four years, blocked for Jaquiz Rogers, uh, brought up spring practice to him, spring game stuff. And he goes, let me just tell you the truth right now. Nobody, if you pulled that roster, 85% or higher, those kids would tell you they effing hate spring practice. All right. Looking forward yeah. to the spring game then. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, to me, it's it's, it's something to talk about. Yes. And that's that's fun. But um, it's way too early. You know, you even have hand wringing in, in the lodge at Beaver Blitz. People are like, oh my gosh, should we be worried that the O-line isn't, you know, completely gelled and you know, really yeah no it's i'm not worried fans are so passionate yeah like, i love things i really do like the blazer season's been great i'm always interested where oregon state is like i just love sports and i have my favorites that's like a level i've never yeah, been at no and that's not me making fun of those individuals no i just you have valid concerns, have but concerns it's, but it's spring it's spring I mean, it's it's you know it's the chance for coaches to really kind of yeah four play months till the first game yeah that's now a long now fall time. camp if they're mixing things up every, you know, every other session, I'd be concerned. Well, but we've seen it with Anderson before. Not afraid yeah, to mix things up at all. Not afraid to mix them up. But yeah. no, it's it's it'll be fun. Spring game's always kind of fun. And uh, then they actually practice Monday, Tuesday, Thursday next week just to finish finish camp off. So. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, where do you come in with satellite camps? Jim Harbaugh started the satellite camps. It's a it's a controversial thing. A lot of coaches are on board. Pat Fitzgerald, one of the coaches that went and talked at one of his satellite camps, he invited all the coaches that states he went to to come talk, but some SEC coaches have a real problem with it. The NCAA makes it uh, illegal now for a coach to have a satellite camp. You can only hold camps on your campus. What do you what did you think of the whole rule change? It's BS. It's completely stupid. It what it hurts is it hurts your potential student athlete. So, you know, Coach Riley did him when he was at Oregon State. He um, you know, we went down and covered him down in Southern California, Northern California. They did some in Texas. So a guy like um Omar Hicksonu, one of the one of the linebacker safeties out of Texas. Mm-hmm. He was found at a at a satellite camp down in Texas. Several guys received their offers because of these satellite camps that wouldn't have the money or the time to fly. I mean, now that's putting this onus on these kids to fly around and try to make these camps. Yeah. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. I don't know. I, and then you also have Oregon state. Now Anderson didn't do satellite camps last year at Oregon state, but his staff did. They split off, you know, Telly Lockett coached down at the Georgia camp and Mm -hmm. they, you know, they were guest coaches at different camps. So they still had the same kind of a, you know, access, I guess, to different kids, seeing different kids. It hurts the kids. It also then, you know, NC2A needs to do something because whether it's, you know, Gary Beck and I, when several years ago, Gary and I were standing on the sidelines talking and, you know, he was, he was, why doesn't the NC2A just take it, have regional combines, get rid of all these camps. These kids are spending their entire, you know, time that they should be with friends and mm-hmm. hanging out with family, working, whatever they need to do. They're traveling around the country, spending all this money going to camps, have regional camps that the NC2A runs where they do height, weight, 40 all the drills, they can they run them through drills. It's all filmed. Coaches can be there to watch, but yet you have this whole database of everything. You know, of, you don't. Yeah. It's it's and it's all you know unbiased time, or let these kids. I mean, it's not recreating the wheel. Nike has their Nike camps. 
Rivals has their camp series. Let the coaches come and watch those. It's it's not difficult. Let the coaches come and see those. What is it about Harbaugh you think that set people off? Like you he's just very brash. You know, I think yeah, that you mentioned Riley doing it in SoCal. Yeah. You think like USC lost to Riley a couple times when they shouldn't. You think they enjoy Riley in their backyard? Probably not. But you know, Jim Harbaugh does it, and yeah, he's brash. But I don't think it was any different. In no, fact, it's I no thought different. It was better. He every state he went to to do one. He invited two football coaches mm-hmm. of the the biggest programs they had. Yeah. Come to Oregon, yeah. guess what? He'd invite Gary Anderson and Helfrich to come yeah. to one. Yeah, And he just genuinely seems like maybe I just a Harbaugh groupie and I buy into oh, it. Oh, yeah, I think he's... I think I like he generally loves football and mm-hmm. cares about spreading the positive message about what football is, what football can mean in a young man's life. And if he gets the kid to go to Michigan, great. Yeah. It's an added bonus. But if he doesn't and he likes another coach or he likes another program... He's still going to hold the camp. I I, I find it interesting that it's Harbaugh that's kind of attached to this whole satellite camp stuff when it's been going on. It's been going on for for a long time. So, yeah, it hurt. But like I said, what bothers me is that it hurts the student athlete more than anybody else. Well, and you know what else it helps? This is the hypocritical part about the NCAA. You know what helps? The Willie Lyles of the world. Oh, exactly. It hey, helps you can't the get handlers. To this kid. You know yeah. who I got? I got yeah. a four star running back nobody's ever, ever yeah. laid eyes no, on. No, it totally helps the handlers. You give me a little uh, little something, something, and I'll find a way for you to yeah. get the first meeting with him. Okay, great. Let's let's con- let's keep corrupting our game. Let's yep. keep complaining about it, but then keep corrupting it because you won't allow football coaches told camps outside told camps. of their campus. And and a lot of those camps weren't just for senior soon to be seniors. You know, it was the younger kids that weren't they weren't all superstars. Yeah. But you know, Riley always invited the, you know, different, you know, other coaches like you said, smaller colleges. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, I I hate it. I mean, I don't know as much as you, but I just saw the backlash like players. I met all the, I just met my coaches at Utah yeah. there and Yeah, no, it's huge. It's just, it's and, unbelievable. You know, and it hurts the smaller, the smaller area schools. It hurts the Oregon, Oregon States, Washington States, yes. Idaho's. Um, it hurts the West Coast, which everything's spread out mm-hmm. because these kids, they're not going, to, you know, a lot of them will make a West Coast tour and they'll hit, you know, P- Seattle, Oregon yeah. State and Eugene, but they're not going to go out to Pullman or they're not going out to a lot it, ca- of other it came out, Angie, that the only person in the Pac-12 that voted against it, Dan Guerrero. UCLA. He was the only one. Coaches, ADs, everybody wanted satellite camps in the Pac-12 to but keep Pac-12, going. But Pac-12, I heard Pac-12 voted it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, oh, the conference did. Voted it down like they didn't want them anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's where people are starting to wonder yeah. where that came from yeah. because a lot of people actually, like Helfrich came out and was uh, vocal about it. Leach was vocal yeah. about it. I'm sure Anderson's been passionate about this. Because they're not allowing coaches now to coach at other no, Univer- you know, so Telly Lockett can't go down and coach. No, at you know Georgia's camp They've or Miami's camp, from can't do that either. It's ridiculous. Um, all right, so there's a 2017 recruiting preview. The spring game Saturday at one o'clock. Again, there's going to be a Beaver Blitz tailgate uh, over off Western, right behind the scoreboard. I'm sure you're going to smell the brisket, so you know exactly where to go. Angie, it's been a long time. I know, but uh, we have got to catch up. Fall camp is just a couple months away, so I'm sure we'll kind of get things rolling for the season. Come fall camp time. Definitely. And uh, I'll see you down there at the spring game. Um, and Good weather. Make yeah. it down there, Portland people. I know you saw them at the uh, Damn City Showcase, but you got to make it down. I mean, the walls are going up in the new Valley Center. Yeah. Go, go check that out. If yeah, go else. check out what the building, the new dam is going to look like and uh, make your way down to the Oregon State spring game. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the pleasant surprise. That was a special edition Dam podcast. I'm Brandon Sprague. Angie Machado, beaverblitz.com. We'll see you guys come fall camp.